Well, we have started a new series last week called Moving Mountains, and uh, as this offering is being taken, I will introduce it again and get us going on that. So, did you know the Bible says that we can move mountains? That's amazing to think mountains can be moved. Now, about six months ago, I read that again, as of course I've read through the Scriptures and seen that a number of times, and I just thought to myself, we have got to get to the bottom of that. Because if faith moves mountains, we need to find out the fullness of that truth. Because why leave mountains unmoved if they can be moved? Why put up with them if we don't have to? Why let the enemy have his way if the opportunity is there to have victory over that? If these mountains can be moved, let's move them. So let's find out what the deal is. And we talked about that last week. Uh, we got, we got going and, and, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, here's the basic, the basic truth. We're going to read through a bunch of, uh, different scriptures here in just a minute, but this is kind of what we got. Um, if a mountain needs moving, God supplies the power, you supply the faith, and then the mountains move. God's power is there. But we access that power in our lives through faith. And then we see the things come to pass. So let's pray uh, again uh, over the sermon before we get too far into that. And then we will be ready to go. I'm just trying to figure out what time it is. I think I got me about a half hour now still left. Amen? All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll get her done. All right, Father, I thank you that you uh, guide us by your word. You guide us by your spirit. You haven't just left us here to wander around and, and do the best we can, but you, you are living and active and you are with us and you do guide us and you do show us things. And so, Father, today I pray that, that uh, you would show your truth through your word and through your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Help us to see what you've got for us. Lord, I know uh, there are a lot of mountains that need moving. And so, Lord, help us to see them and to have the, the strength to move them. So bless our time. Help us to get to the bottom of this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Do you believe the Bible's true? I do. And so when I read something in there that is surprising to me or that I think, wow, that's really something, who needs to make the adjustment, me or the Bible? I do. I need to make the adjustment. So when I read in there that mountains can move, and I think to myself, really? I mean, we all know the Sunday school answer of, yes, mount, faith moves mountains. But what does that practically mean in our lives? And are those mountains going or are they staying? If they can go, we need to, we need to find out what's going on here and access this as, as good as possible. Um, now, I believe the Bible's true, but I also believe we need to find out what it actually says rather than just assuming that we know. So we got to dig in a little bit. we got to look and see. we got to figure out what does it actually say because if you're having faith for something the Bible doesn't say, you're just having faith for something you're imagining. And so it's you having faith, but the whole power of God thing is left out. 
So we need to have faith for the things that the power of God is there for. Otherwise, we're just on our own. And that'll get you a little ways, but it's not going to move a mountain. So let's look at what the Scriptures have to say here. We'll go through the five different places that these types of Scriptures come up that we looked at last week. And uh, the first one is Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. In this situation, uh, there's a demon-possessed boy that comes to the disciples. The disciples are trying to cast out the demon, but they fail. And then Jesus shows up, and uh, he ends up casting out the demon. And then this is what Jesus has to say in response to that. Matthew 17, 20. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, uh, there's a very important distinction that needs to be made here. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I don't think that means this. I don't think it means I can do anything I want to if I just believe enough. I don't think it means that. So let's make sure we catch that. It doesn't mean I can do anything I want to if I just believe enough. Here's what it means. I can do anything God wants me to do if I believe. I can do anything God wants me to do if I believe. Could I play in the NBA if I just had enough faith? No! I can't play in the NBA. I'm just about 5'9", <laughs> and I can't shoot, and I can't dribble. Yeah, that's not... And I'm 45 years old. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. God hasn't called me to play in the NBA. I'd be chasing down my own rabbit trail, and it'd be just be foolishness. Right? It's, you can all agree with that. Yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not tricking you on this one. Not being tricky. But I could get discouraged if I really believed that if I just had enough faith, I could play in the NBA. Because it's just not going to happen. And, I'm, yeah. <laughs> and I would get kind of beat down. Because I'm falsely believing that I can do anything I want to if I just believe enough. I tell you though, I can do anything God wants me to do if I believe. I can do anything. And this is in the category of moving mountains. This is the sort of stuff that seems impossible. Impossible on the outside, impossible on the inside. Those mountains can move. But they have to be things God wants us to do. Mark 11, 23 and 24 Jesus goes to a fig tree. He's going to pick figs off of it, but it's not the season for figs. So there's no figs on it. So he curses the tree and it dies. I'm still trying to get a full grasp of that. I assume it's a uh, like a word picture of uh, religion that's not bearing fruit. You know, and it's accomplishing nothing. And so it will be destroyed. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees... Um, he said to them, the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So if we don't produce the fruit of the kingdom, then a curse is on us and we wither away. But if we do produce fruit, that's good. So I assume he was giving a, a prophetic word in a word picture. 
And the disciples are like, wow, that's really something. And this is the response that Jesus gives. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you already have it and then you'll get it in the future. Isn't that interesting? I was telling you, it's, uh, it's basketball, March Madness right now, so I'm trying to do my basketball thing as best as possible. But... Uh, you know those sports people, they understand this. If you're at the free throw line and you need to shoot a basket, what do you what do you do? You close your eyes and you see it going in, right? You picture it ahead of time. Believe you have received it. And then you take your shot and there it goes. Visualize it. In sports, people have realized, okay, if you visualize it ahead of, of time, you see it happening ahead of time, you're more likely to have it actually happen in reality. And so, there's a piece of it that the world has caught on to with that. But believing it ahead of time is very, very important. Let's keep reading. Uh, let's go to Luke 17. This is where Jesus tells the disciples, if you have somebody sin against you seven times in the same day, and seven times they come and say, I repent, you forgive them seven times. And their response is, Lord, increase our faith. Wouldn't that be tricky? Seven times in the same day. How many people have been sinned against by the same person seven times in the same day? That's, we got quite a few. Wow. That's a, Lord, increase their faith. Um, how many others though, you still worked up over one sin against you from a year ago? Not seven every day, but just one and it was a year ago. And you still haven't quite gotten over it. He says, you're supposed to forgive. And then they're like, increase our faith, Lord. And this is what Jesus responds with. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. He's saying, forgiveness isn't that big of, forgiveness isn't that big of a deal. You can talk to trees and throw them into the ocean. Okay. Mark 10.27 A young man comes to Jesus. He's uh, smart. He's in the upper class. He's very financially well-to-do. He's a he's a top. He's a top guy. He comes to Jesus and he says, "What do I need to do to be saved?" Jesus says, "Hey, follow all the rules." He's like, "I have been following the rules." And Jesus says, "That is great. Why don't you come with me? You can come." on my earthly ministry, in these few short years when I'm walking this earth and I'm doing miracles and I'm teaching the gospel for the first time that nobody's heard before, you will get to see that. Come on in. And he says, no, I'd rather have my stuff than give up my stuff and follow you. And so the the disciples are thinking, we're fishermen and kind of jokers, you know, we're middle class, we're not, we're not upper class, and if this upper class guy who's really smart and he's got it together, if he can't be saved, who's going to be saved? And this is the response that Jesus gives in uh, Luke, or where are we at, Mark? Sorry, Mark, it's already there, he's quick. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So he's saying, 
It is possible with God. And then Philippians 4.13, here's the Apostle Paul writing a, a letter. He's thanking the church in Philippi for helping him out. And uh, he says, you know, but I've, I've learned the secret of being content in any circumstance, if it's in want or if it's in plenty. And he's had long experiences of want. And what he says is, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was saying, I can last through lack and be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can last through lack and be content. That's what he was saying. So we've got all these scriptures talking about these amazing things that we can do. And do you think having faith is an important part of this? If faith is the thing that allows us to access the power of God, then we've got to have some faith. Which brings us to the concept, the sermon title today, Help My Unbelief. We're going to read the story of the boy who was demon-possessed, how Jesus handled that, and we're going to look at uh, some details there, and then we're going to look at the father of the boy and how he responded and what was going on with him. We're going to read the account in the book of Matthew. We're going to read the account in the book of Mark. We're going to put some of those pieces together, and we're going to see what we got for today. So here we go. Matthew 17. We're going to read the whole context of that first uh, section of Scripture that we read. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. Here's the whole story. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before Him. Lord, have mercy on my son, He said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. So what's... What's Jesus' response to the boy not being delivered? Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Is he impressed with them? Is he thinking, well, you know, you're doing pretty good. No, he's basically disgusted with this, isn't he? And then he's like, bring the boy here to me. It's like, if you, gotta, if you wanna get anything done, you gotta do it yourself. I mean, that's, that's what's going on here. He is disappointed with the disciples that the demon was not driven out. And he's like, oh, all right, I'll take care of it. And he, he has them bring the boy. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Now, did God want that demon out? He did. Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So why didn't the demon come out? Because the disciples had so little faith. Have you ever prayed for something and it didn't happen? Why didn't it? In this case, Jesus says, because you have so little faith, this didn't happen. 
What would the wrong answers be to why the demon didn't come out? i got some wrong answers here that you might hear from time to time. Now, here's the deal. If you're trying to move a mountain that God doesn't want moved, these answers do not apply. I mean, this, then, then we're, we're kind of walking down the wrong road. But if you're trying to get something accomplished that God wants accomplished, then these aren't usually the best answers. How about this one? What if, what if they had said, well, it just wasn't God's timing? Did God want the demon out? Yes. Was it just not God's timing is why the demon didn't come out? No. It was a lack of ministry effectiveness on the part of the disciples. Just that it wasn't a, that it wasn't God's timing. It was just a lack of ministry effectiveness. Does God want revival? Yeah. We're not waiting on God's timing. We're waiting on our ability to receive it. Our ability to walk in it. Our ability to be present with God. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for us. How about this one? God was trying to teach the boy something. Well, you know, he's demon-possessed. He's got to learn a lesson. You know, when you go through spiritual warfare, you can learn lessons. I'm all for learning lessons. Don't waste any pain in your life without learning a lesson. Or you'll experience that pain again. You might as well learn the lesson that comes with the pain. But this was just the enemy being the enemy and trying to destroy people. And so it wasn't that God was trying to teach the boy a lesson. It's that the ministry effectiveness of the disciples wasn't there. How about this one? God's ways are higher than our ways. I hear that one said, and it's just a vague way of saying, well, I don't know. And we just sort of forget about it then. Right? I don't know. That's it. Is this, was the reason that the demon wasn't driven out because God's ways are higher than our? No. It's because there was a lack of faith on the part of the disciples. How about, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say one that's gonna shake you a little bit. Are you ready for that? Everything happens for a reason. The demon didn't leave because everything happens for a reason. Well, the reason was the disciples didn't have enough faith. That's the reason. I mean, don't walk around with a demon because you think everything happens with a, for a reason. It's a bad reason to keep your demons. The truth is, the demon didn't come out because of a lack of faith from the disciples. They failed to minister deliverance effectively. Now, I must greatly encourage you to catch this next point. When stuff doesn't work how we want it, don't go around blaming people. It's not about blame. It's not trying to think, well, the prayer team must not be good enough. Oh yeah, well, you needed to have enough faith to get healed. It's not my fault, it's your fault. You, you know, everybody's trying to figure out who to blame for this miracle not happening. You know what? Let's just, let's just let that go. Let's not judge. Let's try to get to a place of victory.
just work together and not do any blaming. All blame does is cause problems. The disciples didn't need to be blamed. What did they need? They needed more faith. (laughs) So adding blame into the equation doesn't help. You need to add faith into the equation. So bringing people to faith, to a place of understanding the things of God, is much, much more important than blaming. So don't blame. Please do not blame. All right. Have you ever been in a place where your faith was lacking? Where if the truth was told, Jesus would look at you and go, how long am I going to have to put up with you? When are you going to get some faith? You know, let me deal with that. How many of us would be in that position from time to time? So, that's why it's really important not to blame, right? Because <laughs> it's going to come right back around. Like, oh. Let's read the account of this uh, boy being delivered from the perspective of Mark. He tells a few things that aren't said in Matthew. So let's take a look at Mark, starting in verse, Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, same response. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. What is the enemy's greatest tactic? You know, the the greatest tactic of the living God is love. In this war between heaven and hell, the the God of heaven, His greatest tactic, His secret weapon is love. What's the greatest tactic of Satan, of the enemy, of of the dark spiritual world? What is the greatest tactic? Fear. Fear is where the enemy has strength. Fear and faith are opposed to each other. If you're in fear, how much faith do you have? If you're in faith, how much fear do you have? You know, for me, it it can be a daily choice to embrace faith or to yield to fear. It's You know what I mean? Like you're stepping out on something and you're like, "Ah, Lord, I believe you're calling me to do this. So I know this is going to work out. I'm going to walk this out. The enemy's tactic is fear. So this boy is thrown to the ground. You should take this as, oh, you're vulnerable, are you? When all of a sudden the enemy jumps up in a big scary way, they go, oh, okay, trying to scare me. You must be vulnerable. You must, you must be grasping at something and you're trying to scare the faith out of me. Well, guess what? Not going to take that. And so, Jesus, of course, is not rattled. In fact, 
He doesn't even really pay a whole lot of attention to the kid. Uh, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? So Jesus starts talking to the dad. Okay, well, now what's the situation? What's the history? Give me some, give me some medical history on this kid. Uh, from childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. So this dad, you're getting a little bit more view into it. He's, he's hurting for his boy. It's been like this since childhood. It's like the, the thing is trying to kill him. It tries to throw him in the water. tries to throw him in the fire. He's, you know, he's not fitting in at school. You know, just, my boy's having trouble. If you can help him. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed. I mean, he's like, okay, I, I see where this is going. Immediately, he says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you are a person who is prone to skepticism and doubt, I am prone to skepticism and doubt. My middle name is Thomas. My dad's name is Thomas. My wife's maiden name is Thomas. I got Thomas all over me. You know, I just... And, and, and honestly, I am built that way. When you tell me something, I am going to doubt what you're saying. It's just, you know, people have a, a nature to them. My nature is not a nature of faith. My nature is a nature of skepticism and doubt. That nature needs to be dealt with. And so for me, this verse, Mark 9, 24 is a great life verse. I do believe. There's a piece of me in there. I do believe. Build that up. Help me overcome my unbelief. If you're like me in that area, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. What happened after this man admitted to unbelief? What happened? Let's go to the next verse. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. So, this man admitted to Jesus, Okay, I, I do have some unbelief. The response wasn't up. How long am I going to have to put up with you? It was, well, everybody's watching. Let's take care of this for you. And he took care of it. Being honest to God is very important. Be honest about where you're at, what you see, what you understand, what you don't see, what you don't understand, what you believe, what you don't believe. Be honest with God about that. He already knows anyway. 
And He loves you despite whatever doubts you may have, despite whatever confusions and different things that are going on in there. He already likes you. And He already knows. So just be honest with Him because then He can help you. So this man believed and he didn't believe. What did he believe and what didn't he believe? He believed that this boy of his was possessed by an evil spirit or seized by an evil spirit. He believed that there could be help from God for that. But he didn't believe that the miracle was going to happen at that time. Why didn't he believe that? Because 10 minutes ago, the disciples tried to cast out the demon and it didn't work. (laughs) That's a pretty good reason to not believe, right? Because we just tried that and it didn't work. Your disciples, the big fancy people that are following you, the closest people to you, the ones that, that have done other miracles, they tried and failed. That's gonna wear your faith down, isn't it? He just stayed the same. He didn't get any better. So he believed a lot of things, but he didn't believe that it was going to happen now. He had belief, but he also had unbelief. So that's one type of unbelief. I don't think God's going to come through right now. What are other types of unbelief? Remember the rich young ruler. We talked about him just a little bit earlier. He came to Jesus, you know, he's like, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus is talking to him and, and telling him, you know, follow the rules. And he's like, I do, I've been following the rules my whole, whole life. And Jesus says, well, then sell all you've got and come and follow me. This guy believed that Jesus was worth pleasing. He believed Jesus had eternal life. Because he said, you know, how can I get that? But he didn't believe that it was worth it to lose his place in the upper class to follow Jesus. He did not believe that was worth it. That's why he chose not to follow. So you've got the, I don't believe this miracle is going to happen. And then you've got another type of unbelief. I don't believe it's worth it to follow Christ. Is it worth it to follow Christ? I do believe, help my unbelief. How about this one? Where the disciples were told by Jesus, if somebody sins against you seven times in one day, and seven times says, I repent, you forgive them. The disciples' response to that was, Lord, increase our faith. What did they not believe? They didn't believe they were capable of forgiving seven times in the same day. They were thinking to themselves, okay, we're going to actually have to do this, aren't we? Hmm, can I do this? And they thought, no, it's not going to work. You told me to forgive seven times in one day the same person for the same thing. I'm not going to succeed at that. They knew in their heart that was not going to work. They didn't believe their heart could change. 
But with God, all things are possible. Mountains can move. And your heart can be transformed into the heart God wants it to be. But it's going to take some faith. Lord, give me the faith it takes to forgive. Remember, who does God want you to be on the inside? Who does God want you to be on the outside? On the inside, He wants you to be someone who has overcome the evil perpetrated against you or against those that you love by offering forgiveness and breaking that chain. He wants you to be that person so you can believe for that mountain to move. But I'm guessing we've got a lot of people in here who are thinking, I do believe that my heart can be the heart God wants me to have. Help my unbelief. There's other types of unbelief. There's the, I'm not worth it, lie from the devil. Did you know Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Because you are worth it to Him. That's why. Because you are worth it to Him. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. We're going to close. If you've got a personal prayer need, I want you to come forward and receive prayer. Don't be afraid to come for prayer. Come up, receive prayer. If you need to know Jesus as your personal Savior, you've not done that, you don't know exactly how that works, they can help you with that. If you've got any other type of personal need, or just feel like you need some prayer, come on forward and receive prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, the uh, full armor of God is described. The things that we need to go to war against the enemy are described. And one thing is described in there as a shield. Would a shield be handy if you're going to war against the enemy of your soul? Shield would be very, very handy. This shield is the shield of faith. Now, I do believe help my unbelief means there's a hole in the shield. And an arrow can get through. I do believe help my unbelief is a hole in the shield. If we know who God wants us to be on the inside, and we know who God wants us to be on the outside, and these obstacles to us look insurmountable, that's a hole in the shield. Be honest about that. Don't just pretend. Faith and pretending are not the same thing. Pretending will not get you to a place of faith. We can't pretend. So what I want you to do today is look at your shield. If you know who God wants you to be, on the inside and on the outside, and you know what the mountains are, what mountains need to move, and then you know how scared you are of those mountains, you know where your shield needs to be strengthened. You know where your faith needs to be built. You know the type of unbelief that you need to say to the Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. So we're going to pray I want you to ask the Lord, show me the holes in my shield.
so that those can be closed up and that those mountains can move. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your grace and mercy. I thank You, Lord, when we're honest before You. You do not reject us, but You love us and You lift us up. Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, for each one of us in this place, show us where our faith is at. And help us, Lord, to, to seal up the gaps in the shield of faith. Lord, let us be safe from the fiery darts. Let us be safe from the attacks of the enemy because our shield is strong. But Lord, let us see so that that shield can be shored up. Show us the mountains in our own lives and show us how our faith needs to grow to be able to see those mountains move. I speak a blessing over everyone in this place. Lord, let your peace be upon us. Let your love overflow within us that we can be a light for your truth in this world. Bless us. Give us courage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on down for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say, say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord.